Hi, everyone. We are here. <laughs> Sorry, I had, a, as always, a little bit of a technical difficulty. And now I believe we are back. So thank you all for joining us right now. Actually, there's only one person joining us, George. <laughs> it's probably Dan. Um, so how are you, George? I'm good, thank you. Yep, it seems like it's Dan, I think so. I just got a message from him. So, <laughs> so as always, George, you will be providing a little bit of an update as to all things Africa, as well as even a personal update. Yes, yes. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll start sharing a little bit about a personal update. Um, Carolyn and I, uh, over the last two days, we've been in contact with the South African Embassy in Washington, and they are now arranging a limited number of flights back to the to South Africa um, for people uh, who are stranded in the US. And so we did all the applications and everything, but now we have to wait and to see if we will be in one of those flights. But we could fly out as early as this weekend or early next week if everything works out. And so we're a little bit hesitant to be too excited because <laughs> there's a lot of things that must line up. But at least there's some movement, and so um, mm. we're excited about that possibility. Mm. Um, Africa, yes, um, I was so happy to see this morning. We have, and at work, have uh, agreed that we're going to get some um, relief food parcels out to Lagos to our local Christians that are working in, uh, in the slum areas. And I saw some photos this morning from some of them sending me photos and they were so happy that their families got some food and they're still continuing to visit the children and, and reaching out. And, and that was wonderful news for me. Mm. Also in Malawi, we had um, a grandmother that many of us know very well. Her name is Gogo Salome who's not been well at all. Yes. And we took her to a local hospital, but they couldn't do all the tests that they wanted to. They mm -hmm. suspect that she might have a, a swelling of the brain. Mm -hmm. And so one of the um, Wellspring members, Stephen and, and Amy, um, actually knew of somebody that was a oh. doctor in Malawi. So you were able and to get in touch with that person? Well, I, I sent him a message and I'm waiting for his answer. But I'm okay. pretty sure he's can he know, he's expecting me to send okay. him a message, and um, I'm sure he's gonna connect me with somebody to help our grandmother out because mm. she's just doing a wonderful job caring for for the children in a village called Chinku. Excellent! Wow! Wonderful! Uh, so people mm. are still pushing hard. I got a message from Farai today. Um, he sound very tired but also very optimistic and, and encouraged. And, and I just shared with him that many, many people are praying for him. And so if anybody got any message details of Rai in Zimbabwe, uh, please send him a message or please just pray for the African leaders. Um, it's, it's a big demand on them. It's very stressful, um, but they're doing well. Oh, excellent. You know, my... Uh... I uh, want you and Carolyn home as soon as possible, as fast as possible. But I will miss these times together. <laughs> yeah. One of us is going to have to get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> I, and it won't be me. 
<laughs> Actually, it's not the middle of the night. It's what, what time is it there? 5 a.m.? o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I am awake that time, but I'm not going to swap it to my prayer time for talking to you. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't want you to do that. Uh, talking to the Lord is a little bit more important. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we are uh, thankful to be with you this evening. And uh, the reason why we are discussing Romans 12, too, and want to give everybody a little bit of a heads up is that this past Sunday, you spoke to our youth about social media. And while I thought that was such a informative, challenging, you know, a, a much needed perspective on how to understand um, social media as well as the youth. And then I thought, when someone had mentioned this, they said, it seems as though kids use media because, well, for their own hearts, but as well as they're looking at their parents and the parents are sometimes no different. In fact, perhaps they've learned it from them. And that got me thinking to really consider, is this something that we as believers really need to weigh in on and to consider what is, what's happening? And Romans 12, 2, there are many verses, and we, we listed a number of them that speak of the mind and all the influences that are outside of us that impact the way that we think. Romans 12, 2 is one of those verses that really hones in on what it means to be, to, uh, be thoughtful, intentional, to take every thought captive, and to consider that we don't become passive receivers of information that we're actually processing all that we're considering. So I thought, wow, what a, what a topic we need, I'd like to talk about, especially as you're about to leave, uh, considering these things. And so uh, with that, if you wouldn't mind doing us the honors as always of reading it, praying, and then we will begin. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I just, I've just, I'm in the habit of putting it on mute. Let's yes, pray. Yes. Father, we we put tonight again in your hands, and even the things that we spoke about, the flights, the possible traveling to um, South Africa. We know that all of that can be cancelled within a minute, and we know it can happen tomorrow. And um, we we want to be still before you. We want to. Consider carefully um, the word that tells us to be quiet. In your quietness and trust, you will find the Lord. And we want to be still tonight. We, we know it's a huge topic. And we can only scratch the surface. But we are going deep into the nerve of our society tonight. It could be grossly misunderstood, mis misinterpreted, um, or it could bring life to us. And your word, St. John 10, 10, you have come to bring life and life in abundance. Um, in the Gospel of John, we read that you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We want to be free, Lord. 
we understand that um, we can hear and receive the gospel clearly. And yet after that, we can live very worldly. We could live um, a far cry from the very lives that you have promised us that is available to us. And that's not any of us. That's not by choice that we want that. We want to live full lives, Lord. And so tonight I pray that those who've got ears, that we will hear. That we will be still and hear your voice. That our arguments, our distractions, um, excuses will be nullified in the name of Jesus. That we will trust you and hear well from you. Holy Spirit, that you will cement your word deep into our hearts and it will fall on fertile soil and that the harvest will come forth from this, not just for us, but for our children and their children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you mind reading us chapter 12, verse 2? No, I will um, just want to go there quickly and I want to read... Um, from the ESV, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be confirmed, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I thought I would just start our discussion by um, first mentioning the first part of that verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So what's interesting about those two sections, and we see it in particular in the ESV, not so much in the NIV, but the idea of the passive voice, you know, the, the fact that it's be conformed and be transformed. It's not me who's doing the conforming, but it's that the world is conforming me. And it's not me who is transforming, but that something or someone, in this case, outside is doing the transforming of the mind. And the question that I had for you, and sort of to, I think it will be a good place to begin is, it says, do not be conformed to this world. What, in what ways do you think, and we'll, we'll spend some time here, does our mind get conformed by this world? Well, well first of all, I, I think, Sam, I just want to say that it's definitely not a generational thing. It's not something that would be known for our generation. Paul is speaking about this. You know, this is the battle that we spoke about um, a number of times in our discussions. And, and we spoke about things like um, the, the battle between um, the flesh and the spirit and, and, and how Paul is speaking so clearly about it. And then we speak about being worldly. The Bible is using the word being worldly and, and to embrace and accept the things of the world. We used... We used um, um, terminologies like being um, eternally focused or 
present focus, worldly focused. What, where is your focus? What is having that impact? What is the desires of your heart when you get up in the morning? I think that is the indicator. Those are the things. Once you desire those things, then the impact of that around you, the noises would be the things that will influence you. And so I think that's what it's about. I think for us to understand and go back and to ask the basic question, are we um, eternally minded? Are we spiritually minded or are we worldly minded? Are we concerned about the things that are happening here right now more and completely out of context with eternity? Mm. So then as a practitioner, what are some of those areas that you can see that happening? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I just look at my own life, you know, and I can see so, so many things where I get um, flung into the things of the world um, and taking my attention off. And we, we've spoken about that um, on Monday night, didn't we, Sam, about the worries of the world, Yes. the desires of the things of the world and uh, the hunger after the richness that mm. the world is offering us. And so we, we've seen what they are and daily in our lives. And it's not just one. There are many multiple distractions that's trying to steal us and trying to distract us. I, I took a lot of time today just to try and, and think through that and, and work mm. through it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, with thoughts, for example, um, we spoke a lot about rhythms and mm -hmm. how that helps us to be focused because that set us on a path where we determine where we want to go, what we want to do with our minds and our hearts and our spirits and our bodies and how we want to walk in that road versus just jump in a stream and being taken with you. And, and I think when I look at all the things that we're going to talk about tonight, I would nearly want to say the underlying common denominator would be the total onslaught that there is on our time at the moment. And that is preventing us from being focused and having the right rhythms and considering eternity consistently because we do not have control of our time anymore. I truly believe that that is the enemy's best weapon he's using, is he's keeping us just too busy with distractions, with things that we can sit down and as Psalm 46 verse 10 say, be still and know that I'm God. Just, just a fact, no, in your mind, no. I am God. Um, this week, as I thought about, we, we were so shaken with this COVID virus because we lost control, right? We can't choose if we want to go to work. We can't choose if we want to go to church. We can't make choices. We lost control. But you know what? We, we haven't considered yet. We, we've got to slow down to get there. Maybe that's a gift in this. God has not lost control. He's still got the world in his hands. He's still got everything in control. And so maybe 
even in this time, it's such a gift to us that we actually lost control mm. and we realize we never really had any mm. control. It is still in the hands of God. And in mm. that picture that I'm giving now to say, okay, let's look at that now and analyze what does Romans 12 to mean to us? What, the, what, what footpaths, I call it footpaths, did we walk out in our minds in the last few years? Belief systems, habits, lifestyles, mm. all of them, constantly do it. You walk those, we, speak, we spoke about footpaths in, in uh, the parable of the different soils. Well, let's go and look at our footpaths in our minds tonight and say, is that the right footpath that we have to be on? Mm -hmm. Or do we need to renew our mind? Allow the Holy Spirit, allow the truth. Remember the word of God said, hear the word and accept it. And then produce food. Hear the word, create new footpaths. Not you, but the word of God in you, creating that new uh, rhythms in you. So what are some of those footpaths that you can imagine have been created by us or not by us, yeah. but yeah, you know, yes. by the world. And on top of that, we're not talking about, usually they're not inherently bad things, evil no, things. No, they're not. Yes, yeah. you're right. You're right. No, no, most of them are not bad things. Yeah. I mean, definitely one would be um, sport. Sport yes. could be a foot path yes. in your life. Different habits that we have. Mm -hmm. um, internet or social media is for sure mm -hmm. a huge foot path mm -hmm. that was walked into our lives. And so we, there are multiple foot paths that are very mm -hmm. well known within our mm -hmm. culture, within our community. Um, mm -hmm. I think for many of us, um, yes. politics, it became a foot path. <laughs> um, and it, yes. and it started influencing our thinking. We know yes. that Barna, Barna Research Group will tell you how closely connected politics and religion is in the United States at the moment. Mm -hmm. Some people believe you cannot be a Christian and be in that party or vice versa, mm. you know? Mm. And so we, that's footpaths. Mm. That was narratives that were created mm -hmm. in our minds and we walked those narratives enough mm -hmm. that we believe it. Our culture, um, certain um, beliefs of our culture and certain practices of our culture. Um, I will give you an example. Um, success. How do we view success? Mm -hmm. So success right. is if my child's got an A+, plus, go to Harvard, get his PhD and, and, and be successful. Mm -hmm. I tick a box. I'm a... I'm, I'm a son of the living God that mm -hmm. was given the kingdom keys. And for me, success is to get my child into Harvard. <laughs> That's a footpath. That's <laughs> that Jesus said, I mean, I can renew that. I can yes. give you a much higher footpath than that. It's good if your son, he must study hard and develop his talents. He must become a leader. We need leaders, scientists, lawyers, doctors. Mm -hmm. But if, if that's your ultimate footpath, that's mm. a sad tale. Mm -hmm. That's a mm -hmm. sad story. Mm -hmm. So on that note, I think this is uh, probably the question that um, so many people would have. It's the idea that 
We don't want to be conformed to the patterns of this world. And yet we are called to, to do all that we can to follow the Lord, trust him while utilizing our gifts and talents, while not placing our hope in any of those gifts and talents or placing our worth and our identity in that. And yet we're supposed to, we still express them and we can express them creatively um, for example, let's say, you know, um, you have a, you have multiple children, right? You have four children from the world's perspective. If, if you're judging from the world's perspective, right? The world's perspective would say, oh, Melody is the most successful mm-hmm. because she's a doctor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to take the world and then next would be Joshua, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and there's a ranking mm-hmm. and that ranking happens. And obviously a kingdom perspective is, no, that's not how you view success. That's not how you view what is best, what is right, what is godly. And yet at the same time, the answer is not also, yeah, you don't have to study. You don't have to try. God is, God is sovereign. He's going to use you, you know? And so if let's say I have four children, which I do just like you. And um, one of my children said, or two of my children said, I don't, I, I trust the Lord and he loves me no matter what. So I don't need, why do I need to study? Why do I need to? I don't want to create a footpath of studying. Those are obviously two extremes. One is placing all your hope and saying, Hey, you have to be this profession because the world says it. And the other one says, uh, I don't even need to do that because I'm the most, how do you, uh, how do you live that life? So, so if we go back, maybe we can ask a question, why is this so important that I've been saved by grace and by faith, it's been given to me that no man can boast. So it's been a gift. I didn't deserve it. It was given to me. Why, why, George, why are you putting this on me now? Why are you saying now I want you to, to have a renewal of your mind and continually renew your mind. By the way, I, I, I think it's one of the most exciting things. And I personally, I've got an addiction. My addiction is I want to be continually experiencing growth in Christ. I want to be addicted to growing in Christ. I want to conquer things in my life that people thought would never change. I want them to change. I have spoken to somebody in hands, they were nearly 70 then, and I said to them, never ever tell me you're too old to change, because that's an insult to the kingdom of God. Mm. All of us can always change, grow. It's not for young people we're talking about here. It's for every level of leadership. But why? What's the question why? And here's the thing, Sam, this is what's so important. Theology in isolation promotes just barren intellectualism. We spoke about the, uh, the plant that's barren. A, 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 a harvest was expected, but it never mm-hmm. produced it. Okay. So theology on its own is barren. This is, it's a barren intellectualism. But the same with ethics, apart from that theological base of Jesus Christ, 
came and he laid his life down for me. He lived a sinless life. He died. He was separated from the Father. He took all my sin upon him and he rose from the dead. Apart from that theological base, ethics is impotent to achieve any goals. There's nothing. There's no goal in it. And, and, and that's why we do it. Christianity is the only religion and the only reason that's compelling and that is attractive and addictive to say because of what was done for me because of what was given for me put in my mm -hmm. hands undeservingly for the rest of my life i am going to dig that truth and renew and and change from glory to glory and we read about that in the bible mm -hmm. and change and my life is going to become as paul said a living sacrifice if you guys meet me next year in December, you must see something of Jesus in me that you've not seen before. And that is why we do it. We don't do it to try to be close to the Father. We don't do it to try and earn his favor. We do it because we are his child, because mm -hmm. he's died for us. This is our spiritual act of worship. Mm -hmm. Singing is just encouraging each other. Paul said, when you come together, bring hymns, bring words of encouragement. I love worship, you know that. I love singing. That, you know, when I sing and I lift my hands, I lift my hands because I say, Lord, this week, what these hands did, I give to you as a, mm -hmm. as a thanksgiving offering. I just say to you in Africa, we say, Siabonga, Baba, Siabonga. We are grateful, Father. We are grateful. And that's why I live like this. That's why I want to change. I want constantly to be renewed but it's based on everything jesus did for me and there's no other logical or ethical reason in this universe why people should do it mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. only what he did for us and that makes it very practical sorry okay. i just want to say because of that it becomes yeah. extremely practical okay because of that it means let me, let me give you a shot there. <laughs> yeah, so I see how that is the ultimate motivator for why we do what we do. Um, but I'm wondering, for example, like I said, I have four children, you have four children. Um, what do you say to the person who says, I, I have no desire. I mean, I want to worship the Lord by, why do I have to study? Like, I don't need to do that. Or, you know, though, again, the two extremes of the one person who says, I don't need to do that because grace covers me. The other one who says, well, I, yeah, let's work as hard as I can. And I, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Well, the, uh, what I was trying to say that my answer to that is yes. um, you don't study uh, to get a doctor so that you've got a status or that you are accepted in society yes. or that you've achieved yes. something. You do it because it is your worship unto God. You are developing the yes. passion, first of all, that mm -hmm. is given to, for you to care for people. And you are developing your intellectual brain and thinking. Mm. And, and you want to be as good as you can with what is given to you. If you were given mm. three talents, you want to give back six talents. Now, if that is what we teach our children, and that is how we live, 
And then your child say, dad, I don't want to study. I, I honestly just want to go out and be a missionary. He will be as successful as whoever gets a PhD. Because you know what? Whatever he does, he will do of all his heart and mind. And he will find the right thing in his heart that will draw him. And if his focus is always right. to give the best, he will become the best in that with yes. the MBA or with not the MBA. Yes. You know, from, it's so interesting, Sam, that statistics are 85% of professional people are very unhappy in their work. Did you know mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Professional people. But they do it because their parents told them, if you study to be a lawyer or a dentist or a doctor or whatever, you'll be financially secure. And that's what they did. So they're financially secure, but they dread going to the office. But then on the other hand, I think all of us know just how many people and actually I'm one of them, only at the age of 30, found that magic thing. So even though I studied before I was 30 and I, I had a profession, by the time I got 30 and I was filled with Jesus, I threw all of that one side and I jumped into the thing that pulled me the deepest. And that was my core. That was the magnet in me that I knew. That's why I was created. And I started doing that against all logic there was no salary in it there was right. no nothing but you know today 25 years later i am i have taken it in post-grad studies and i have i am trying to write a bit of a book and i am trying to do lectures and whatever i can mm -hmm. so it came it came because the culture of excellence because of what Christ is giving me is coming. But you see, I don't put the cart in front of the horses and say yes. to my child, first go and get a degree and make sure that you are well qualified and then you can do what you want to. Because then mm -hmm. I'm saying to him, your value, your purpose, everything depends on your qualifications. Not on God, not on... And I, I just think that we create very unhappy people when we follow that route. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you had also mentioned sports, and we have talked about sports before, and how, again, one of those things that inherently not bad. We talked about the fact that Paul was a sportsman himself. He enjoyed watching sports. It's pretty obvious. Um, but once it becomes your identity, um, if you're a parent and you're watching your child and they're... Yeah they're making a mistake and you're you scream at them or yeah. you're you know yeah. saying things to the referee or umpire or yeah and uh you're angry and you're frustrated that they're not doing well there's obviously a conformity yeah. i mean that is the world right that's the yeah. world and mm -hmm. i remember if you remember uh you told me this story i thought mm -hmm. it would be helpful for you to tell that story again of when Joshua was playing squash, you were coming back from a tournament and just some of the things and what it was like, I know you've shared this before, but what it's like um, to want your son to help him, you know, cause you actually sat there probably and helped him a little bit when he was young, taught him. Yes. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But there's a point where it crosses. Yeah. And how do, how does that, lead to a conformity of the world yeah we're being changed and we don't even realize we're being changed what does that look like 
No, exactly. And that is the most natural way I can suck you in. And I remember um, every year, July, I would go with Joshua to what you would call interstate. So he would play squash mm. for his state and then all the states would come together. And in this particular game, it was the final. Everybody was watching it. <laughs> and Joshua was playing against this guy and they were playing um, five games. They would play the best out of five games. And so um, they were two all. They were, each one won two games and they were eight all in points. And the first one had got nine, won the tournament. And it would literally, it took five minutes at least, which is a very long time in squash, where the, um, the one made the mistake and then the other one served. And then this one made a mistake and the other one served. And they were waiting for one guy to serve and win the point to win the tournament. And Joshua lost. Mm. <laughs> he lost the point. And um, I walked downstairs to sit next to him in the change room and he just, wept you know he just wept his heart was so broken you know what it was i've never seen him cry so much after a game but i think it was because he was so close yes he smelled it he tasted yeah. it and it, it was his because yeah. he won the game just before that and i could see the other guy wasn't he was a little bit down and mm. i don't know it was just meant for joshua to lose that mm. game but when i sat with him there and and i waited you know because I know that pain, you can't speak while that pain is so raw. But after that, just saying to him, you know what, just think about it for a moment. Just think about this other guy lost and you won. Okay. And this other guy that lost, that meant to him so much. And his, his father may have been so upset that it was really, a, it was something that was going to hurt him. Would you still have wanted to win? You know, is it that important? Mm, yes, yes. Somebody had to lose here. At least, at least you know that that's not defining you. Yes. I know you trained hard because I I coached you. So I know we trained many weeks, very many hours a day. Yes. I, said, I know you trained hard, but somebody had to lose here. And how about this was a good one to lose because it's not defining you. But that boy, man, it may be so defining to him that it would have damaged him big. So maybe it was good that you took it on a chin, yeah. And I think that stuck with him and with me. You know, I think both of us walked away there because we considered for a moment, is it really, was it so important to win that even it could have been devastating for the other guy? And I mm -hmm. think that that helped us a lot to realize, mm -hmm. no, man, we... Mm -hmm. Father and son, we were in a, in a city. We flew to a city where we had a wonderful two weeks together. He played some of his best squash ever. And we swam in a sea and we just had a great time together. We're not going to be defined by that. We're going to remember it was mm. a great time and we were blessed. And, and we were healthy and we could do sports. And, and it's great. So sports, I would say, is very important. We must do sports. I, I really believe physical rhythms and spiritual rhythms are crucially important for have, being a well-balanced Christian and coping with the storms of life. Mm. But when physical sports become a, a footpath in your, in your head, 
that your identity is connected to it or you as a parent put your child's identity to that then you get into big trouble no that's really good and we <laughs> you see the danger of this is that i could i feel like i could talk about this for the rest of the time in fact there are so many aspects of this that we could talk about for the rest of the time because there's the big question of can a christian be like how do we not conform to the patterns of this world and is it possible for a christian to be at the peak of athletics or the peak of something where because so much of athletics is you know some of the best athletes are the ones who have that you know i'm going to smash you type of mentality you know and sometimes in terrible ways but they tend to be really excellent at athletics but just the very fact that you think that way you know Joshua this is an opportunity for maybe that person who doesn't know the lord perhaps a non-christian and that's how i know you did not conform to the patterns of this world because the patterns of this world is next time you got to you got to take him down you got to smash him you know and that's the way the world thinks right um that pattern is so ingrained in our culture and especially in the sports world it's it's so much a part of it but that competitive nature is in business it's in um academics it's in politics and it is it is talk about footpaths i feel like a tons of footpaths are all over our brains because it's everywhere and how do we as believers who are transformed by the renewing of our minds how do we navigate that the idea that whether it's athletics or studying academics is it possible or is it we need to yield that ground that's not ground we should even be striving for do you understand what i'm saying yeah totally and i think yeah. the only way the only antidote we can have is for us to be in a very healthy rhythm ourselves mm. because that very um trap for our children is there for us do we need um do we need people to um praise us do we need mm. people to you know so yes. what, are, what why are we doing what we are doing mm-hmm. um sam when you preach do you need somebody to tell you afterwards that was really a great sermon um <laughs> or does it you know you know what i mean yes <laughs> yes I, that's a preacher's that. temptation yes of course yes yeah and and you know spurgeon once said to a lady who told him that was the best sermon i ever heard he said oh you're the second person telling me that she said no i'm the first person he said no satan already told me so <laughs> <laughs> i think that so that's it, you know, it's, it's in <laughs> now, it's only if you can master it that you can bring it and i just want to bring a point here quickly then we mm. can talk a little bit about us but mm-hmm. the thing is think about it when you think you inspire your child and you're helping to be the best when you say to him come on next time you're going to smash him you you can have to win this one what you do is you saying to your child that i will accept you if you smash him mm-hmm. i'm not quite happy with you 
Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you're right. Um, many, many of the top stars we see are so arrogant and, and that's the way they pump themselves up. Is That's the way they try to put a distance between them and their competitors. They mm-hmm. talk so big because they try to talk people out of it. But I want to say, I think I, I have met enough um, top athletes also and written about enough to know that you don't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. There are people who can still, because you know what? All of that is just a season. Your son is only mm-hmm. going to be number one <laughs> yes. for maybe, maybe a year, if he's yes. lucky. Yes. Uh, Joshua was in the top 10 in South Africa for a short time. The next year when he moved to the next eight group, he was not in the top 50. He had to start <laughs> all over again. And that's life, right? And yes. so if your son is accepted and, and, and identified with being the best, what happens to him when he's not the best? How does that change? And so if we go back to God is a God of rhythms. Mm-hmm. God showed us. He created mm-hmm. and then on the seventh day he said rest. Mm-hmm. He created mm-hmm. day and night. A time for the sun to come up, a time for it to mm-hmm. go down. A mm-hmm. time for summer, a time for winter. In fa- a time for heart beating, a time for breathing, mm-hmm. growing old. Wind, a cold winter bring a beautiful summer. Mm. Um, so we know God created seasons, rhythms, and if you if you get stuck in one, you mm-hmm. can't move to the next one because you're going to lose your identity. So many people, when they've got to retire, that's why leadership transition is such a crisis. And I'm so sad to say in Christian circles, mm-hmm. I, I Skyped with a guy yesterday morning from a Christian foundation who just told me of an amazing, amazing ministry that is literally falling apart at the moment because of leadership transition. When a push came to shove, that leader could not let go because his identity was so intertwined. Mm-hmm. Because that season was his height, that was his identity. And so when he had to let go, everything fell apart. Some of us are gonna study to be a doctor or a pilot or whatever, and after a year, we're going to have a condition and we can't be that anymore. What's going to happen to your child then? When you told him his whole life he's going to be the best doctor and then he, in a car injury, hurt his hand and he can't be a yes. surgeon. So yes. we've got to understand that that's a foolish way to go. Yes. So God created um, seasons and it's only mm-hmm. when we understand these seasons and we embrace every season in a, in a way that Our father is a good, good father. And in that season, he's got a great plan for me. And so when I'm the top athlete, I live it and I love it. And when it's over, I walk away from it because there's another season waiting for me because Mm. I've always got an overarching thing and that's God's goodness, God's plan on me. And in the early church, we see that. There were seasons and customs. We read in the Bible, it said, as was the custom. And that is what I want to encourage us tonight, Sam, to say, how do we teach our children? How do we stay healthy? Mm -hmm. How do we keep our food paths healthy? And how do we create new healthy food paths Mm -hmm. through rhythms as individuals and as a community? As individuals, you have a rhythm, not just to pray, I mean massive. You must be able to pray. You must study Mm -hmm. God's word. 
but also to have them a rhythm when you are just mm. yourself. You're just quiet. I play Sudoku and I put classic music on. I don't think about Jesus or about hands, about anything. I just, I just relax and I play Sudoku. And I do it for maybe 40 minutes a day. That's part of my time alone with God. I just sit there. Other times I would study God's word or I would pray, but I would use these rhythms because it's good for me. It's, it helps me to cope. Mm -hmm. It helps me to stay focused. It helps me to pace my running. And it helps me to face when the season changes. So seasons can change, but our rhythms don't need to change. We just readjust. So when Carol and I came to San Francisco, we were supposed to leave after three weeks. Well, we're just going to finish our eighth week now. <laughs> so, so when they locked us down after three days, Get and I sat in this room and we said, okay, this can take very long. We didn't know, but we realized this can take very long. <laughs> and so we said, we said to each other, okay, so how are we going to reposition ourselves? Because we've got a responsibility towards people watching us, learning from us. We've got a responsibility as, as sons and, and daughters of the king to live a life in this isolation, in this lockdown that will inspire other people. And we want to grow. We're not going to leave here the same as we came. How do we do that? We reposition our rhythms. Suddenly we realize we had more time to pray. We realize we had more time to walk alone. Mm. Karen and I spoke this afternoon and I said to her, what will you remember about this time? And she said, it was eight weeks focused time with you. Now, you know, I could have, we could have missed that. We could have carried on mm. trying to do things, but we had focused on. Yeah. We embraced this new season, even though I wanted to be in Africa. Carolyn missed the children. We were ripped out of a season where we lost mm -hmm. our identity in a sense. Mm. But because our rhythm kept on going, we could go through this and we could continue to grow and be a blessing. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's going to make you help your son and your daughter that's the thing that's going to help you to keep perspective when they don't want to do what you want to do in the studying. And, and that's if you can plant that spirit in them, Christ in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. That rhythm, be comfortable in your skin, be quiet, mm. be prayerful. Don't be swayed by the storms outside. He will who hides in the secret place of the Lord, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Find that secret place. Be quiet when the storming winds are blowing. The winds of fame, the winds of social media. When you go to Facebook, if you have to go, do you look how many likes you got? Do you? What does that likes make you feel? When somebody writes a, uh, a nasty comment on your Facebook. What does it make you feel like? Really? Do you think your son don't see that? Your identity is in a stupid Facebook page and there's a troll that's jealous of your life and is, and is disliking you and it is shaking you. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable shallow. And it's because you don't have deep rhythms. 
you're not anchored on that rock. If you want to be in that rock, you've got to find that rock through your daily rhythms. Mm -hmm. Then you can be on Facebook and you can post positive things and you can influence people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what people post because that's not where your identity is. Mm -hmm. And when your sons see that and your daughter see that, they might not go and study where you want them to study, but I promise you their life will be significant, meaningful, and truly successful. Successful because they will impact this world. And that's the biggest success we can have. That's excellent. So the conforming to this world, we've talked about so many areas. You've just touched on whether it's social media. Um, I mean, we have many, many different ways in which there are influences, whether we're actively taking them in or passively taking them in. And one person mentioned even the pressures of living in a society such as, well, where we live in the San Francisco Bay Area, where people are very successful in the world's eyes, drive a certain car, have a certain type of home and, um, and make a certain type of salary. And it's, that's another conformity, you know, conformity mm -hmm. is sort of the idea of being, uh, you know, what's interesting is that Israel, remember when they wanted a king and God said, and Samuel said, God is your king. You don't mm. need a king. And Israel said, we want to be just like the other nations. And then God said to Samuel, don't worry, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Mm -hmm. And conformity really has that idea of the idea that we want to be like everyone else. We want to fit in. We want to be significant. We want to be special. So whether it is social media that definitely projects that, um, Here's the challenge, like because every single thing we've discussed, there is a good thing about it, and there's a, a placing your hope in it. And social media is another thing. There are some, there. Are, it's a great tool. Yes, it's a tool for it's yes. a tool potentially for a gospel advance. There's nothing wrong with someone saying, "Yes, oh, you know, I, I had a new baby," or um, you know, or I don't know, I moved to this new location. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the, it's like you said, it's how many likes did I get? Um, that one statement being emblazoned in your mind and you can't sleep because it's either negative or positive. Actually, it could be positive. So many people say great things about you and suddenly you think you're better than everybody else. And how, you know, so social media, the internet, it just is the footpaths are all there. It's all crowding. So how do you guard again? Like the rhythms, how do the rhythms keep me? So um, if you like, look at, yes. I mean, if you look right now at social media, mm -hmm. um, I would encourage people to go and look more at Barna, you know, Barna, that research, Christian research company that brings out some brilliant research papers on what's happening um, at the moment in the churches and in, in, your, in your wider society and, and things like that, where they say clearly Christian influence is waning. Only a third of the Americans now believe the church actually have their best interest at heart. A third of the United States citizens. Now, I want to just show you a point in this while I'm mentioning this. Um, 
the majority of people, well, 44% of people feel at the moment that truth is increasingly regarded more as something felt or relative than as something known. In fact, the millennials, 64% of them believe that. And they actually don't believe that one religion has got a monopoly over truth. This is a direct result of influence that is pumping through uh, billions of messages and things mm -hmm. every day on mm -hmm. every possible platform. Yes. How can you and I resist that? We can't. So if I hear 10 respected voices that I believe are respected, could be an um, economist or a doctor or politicians, and they all say the same thing, um, that I should have confidence in certain things, but it's actually not based on biblical truth. Mm -hmm. So the biblical truth is very clear. could be marriage, it could be gender, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I get bombarded with reasons why that is not a good truth. Mm -hmm. If I don't have a rhythm where I go and dig into that classic truth mm -hmm. consistently, emerging myself in that, reaffirming that in me, listening to trustworthy voices, reaffirming that in me, of course those voices are going to influence me. Of course I'm not going to believe God can actually miraculously do something today. Of course, I'm, I'm going to be a Christian, but on social media, I will believe what everybody else believes. Mm -hmm. I will understand the logic that, in fact, they say right now that the problem with fake news is not so much that it's fake news. They say actually most of the journalists might actually put the facts right but it is the misinterpretation or exaggeration of the actual news on social media. So people misinterpret what, what you say or they exaggerate that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then I, a normal reader, believe what they say. Mm -hmm. So you, you understand what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. how do I not get swallowed by that's all footpaths that's leading me further and further away from the truth of God. And it's taking me deeper and deeper into the world. How do I resist that? When I read that exaggeration or that misinterpretation, if I don't have an instant truth in my mind speaking into that, isn't that what the Bible is saying? Take every thought captive and submit it under Christ. Take every thought captive. Now, how can I take a thought captive? How can I take information and hold it captive mm -hmm. under the truth so that mm -hmm. I can stay clean in my mind and be, mm -hmm. Peter said, be holy, be set apart mm -hmm. as God is holy. So we have been set apart. To be holy means to be set apart. Mm -hmm. God, Jesus said, I called you to be, you are in this world but I set you apart. The way you mm -hmm. live, what you believe, what you say, how you respond, how you teach your children what they should study and how they should do sports must be different from the world. Mm -hmm. You are distinctly different. You're a royal priesthood, 
a chosen nation. <laughs> it should be different. Yes, yes. You should be radically different. Yes, yes. I mean, that is what it means to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And the end result that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Yeah. Meaning that if the world is, if we're being conformed to the values of this world, there's no way that I can ever have an idea of what it is that God wants of me. Because by far, what God wants of me is revealed most in his word that's being, when I'm transformed, I see his word as, as Hebrews describes it as a living, active, uh, it's a double-edged sword. You know, it pierces through cuts to the bone as you you like to say so often and it that's transformative and then i'm able to logically paul saying that well of course i can discern then what is the will of god that is good and acceptable and perfect but if i'm being conformed to the world there's no way i could do that so the rhythms the rhythms of and and maybe we could spend the last five minutes talking about this is, you know, um, how integrated the rhythm of spending time with God, knowing his word and, and being able to express that, live it out as well as some other rhythms, like the physical rhythm, you know, the, the rhythm of exercise and being able to utilize this body because we're a, a unified being. We're not you know, as Plato would say, we're not, you know, uh, spirit is good, body is bad. That's not who we are. There's not a dichotomy between body and spirit, but there's a unity and there's a, a like a, a real um, symbiosis of the two coming together and influencing one another. And I think that's pretty easily seen when we're not feeling well, spiritually, we can be down and vice versa, right? So it makes sense that those rhythms the Lord uses as a means by which we are able to fight the fight against the world and against the devil's influences and, and his deceptions that come. I mean, you've probably seen that very personally as well as even just in, in, in ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, body and soul, right. Um, mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis just corrected that. He just said, um, your body, you are not a body that was given a soul. You're a soul that was given a body. <laughs> and exactly. I like that. Yes, it's totally I, true. I like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, and so, I, and, and that put the emphasis on what is the important part here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and Paul does say, uh, exercise is of some benefit. Yes, but um, and and so it doesn't mean it's it's to laugh at. I think um, how we care for our bodies and how we sleep, sleeping patterns, very important, crucially important. Um, because about if you oats. Don't, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't have a, a proper sleeping pattern, yeah. you cannot you cannot have a proper um, spiritual rhythm. Because I, I do understand that some people are getting call-outs um, 
certain times of the month and things. I'm, I'm not talking about that. There are weeks and weeks that I must sleep in villages and things where I also can't have a proper um, pattern. But I think in principle, whenever you can, you've got to have a, a proper sleeping rhythm, a proper mm -hmm. eating rhythm. Eating, do you eat right through the day? I mean, people know, they want to talk about this. That's bad. It's, it's, it's bad for your body. It's a bad um, discipline. You know, it's just not good. When do you eat? When is your main meal? When do you pray? How do you exercise? How do you care for your body? When I care well for my body, I can handle pressure 10 times more. I can cope better. I can do things better. I think clearer. So I think it's very important. Our bodies do matter. And it is honoring God. I'm not talking about people that worship their bodies and try to see who can have the biggest body or whatever. I just talk about simple caring for your body, looking after it. it. It's to the benefit of your soul, but your soul is the most important one. And mm -hmm. so how do you build a robust, strong soul that can cope with winds and storms and little sleep when it has to? And how can you stay consistent? How can you be the same? Because that's the hallmark of maturity is consistency mm -hmm. ongoing consistency now if you don't have control over your life if you get up in the morning and you think oh i better go to work now and you rush off in your shower and you grab food and you pat your boy in the head and you run off i mean you you fly by night you've got no control there nothing you are not in control. You, you literally allow the circumstances around you determine your mood, your energy level, your passion, the way you're going to respond. Um, it was Wesley that said, um, he said, some days I'm so busy that I need to get up extra two hours earlier to pray more. So once you get to that place where you can connect your quiet time to the level of your busyness, so many people are telling me, George, I love to do it, but I'm just too busy. I'm saying, man, you are too busy because you don't do it. <laughs> You've got to connect. Yeah. The amount of energy you're going to spend, the way you eat in the morning, that's how your body physically going to cope. The mm -hmm. way you feed your spirit is how you're going to cope. We understand it physically, but why can't we understand it spiritually? How can you be ready for what's coming? If you haven't even calmed down, you haven't even confessed your sins of yesterday, you haven't even worshipped, you haven't even stood in a gap for somebody. I mean, you, you are neutralized. You are flung and tossed like James is speaking about the winds and the waves. Mm -hmm. And it's not mm -hmm. because you, you're bad. It's just because you don't tap into the source that's been given to you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's there for you and for me. Mm. It, that's our gift to the world, is walking into that meeting, into that situation, into that environment that's hostile and broken. And we walk into that and, and you bring an answer. But you've got to have the answer. You must have received it that morning to bring it. It's fresh, like the manna. You know, I thought about it today. Uh, David was born in Bethlehem, um, the house of bread. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. 
you and I have got the privilege to, to present that house of bread. Like he said, I am the living bread. You and I have got that manna, but it's fresh every day. You can't take yesterday's manna. You've got to go and find that manna every morning. Then you go into this, you go out of that door into that broken world and you carry that fresh manna with you. That's your gift to the world. That's your worship. That's your privilege. And your days are few, few. Then it's gone. Then all that meetings and transactions and success that you were so anxious about, your sons will never know about it. Your grandchildren will never know about it. They wouldn't even know what car you drove or where you lived. They wouldn't know that. It means nothing. That's excellent. Well, I hope we uh, seek after that daily manna every day. Well, let me pray for us and then we'll call it a night. But thank you so much as we really contemplate. Again, as always, there's so much more we could talk about. But I want to thank you so much. Uh, Clinton, who said, uh, like A.B. de Villiers. De Villiers? Yes, yes. Agreeing with yeah. you about that. <laughs> Uh, he's a famous sportsman that loved the Lord. And he, he retired when he was the best in the world. And uh, nobody understood why he did it. But I think he had that maturity or that understanding. Uh, Maybe it wasn't yes. good for him to be there. Yes, yes. Eric Little is another person. Yeah. You know, who, uh, have, have you read that book? I know it's on the Kindle. It's an excellent book. For his glory. At yeah. the top of his game, left and something that I, I recommend anyone who has any kids in sports to read that book. It is so, it's a very important book. And let me pray for us. Um, Father, we just praise you. We know that we are very short-sighted and easily satisfied in things that do not ultimately satisfy. As George said, we can be in first place, but how long does that last for her? maybe a year, maybe a couple of years, maybe even at most 10 years, 20 years even. But eventually everyone comes down. Everyone falters. No matter whether it's sports or business or uh, school, friendships, nothing lasts. There's only one that lasts, one thing, and it is mm -hmm. you and yes. As uh, the psalmist says, we would rather be doorkeepers in the house of the Lord, mm -hmm. gatekeepers, mm -hmm. than anything else that this world would give or offer to us. Or as uh, George Beverly Shea wrote, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold or riches untold. Help us, O oh Lord, to not just say that, but believe it. And I know that you have given us the gift of your word and prayer as a regular means by which we're able to build these rhythms so that instead of being conformed to the patterns of this world, we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds through your Holy Spirit. So we can truly test and approve what the will of God is in our lives. So I thank you for all of our listeners, for those who are with us. I really pray for blessings on them in this season. We just worship you, we give thanks to you. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks, everybody. Thanks, and we look forward Thank to you, seeing man. you next time.